My guest today on Mission Impact is Hillary Marsh. Hillary is president and chief strategist of Content Company. She helps associations get better results from their content by improving their practices. Hillary and I talk about why content strategy is so critical for organizations, especially associations, and how associations' relationship to content and information has shifted significantly since the advent of the internet. In the old days, while associations used to be the gatekeepers of information and knowledge within their field or industry, Google now is. So where does that leave the association? While they may no longer be the sole source of information, they are likely more credible in their field versus what might be offered by for-profit organizations, for example. They have the advantage of being presumed to be less biased. We review what content strategy is, as well as what content curation is, how to make it work within your organization, and what can get in the way of having an effective content strategy. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. On this podcast, we explore how to make your organization more effective and innovative. We dig into how to build organizational cultures where your work in the world is aligned with how you work together as staff, board members, and volunteers. And all of this for the purpose of creating greater mission impact. Let's shift to the interview. Welcome, Hillary. It's great to have you on Mission Impact. Thank you. It's so good to be here. So I'd love to start with just finding out what drew you to the work that you do? What motivates you and what would you describe as your why? Well, that's a great question. I, the story of how I got into content strategy, I will leave for another time. But the thing that led me to work with associations on an ongoing basis is that I had worked for a very large association uh, starting in 2005, and I learned really that associations are content machines, that really the products, programs, services, everything they do uh, manifests itself in the world as content. And so if content is how they show their value and how they do their work, then the better they can do that, the more successful they will be at their goals of uh, attracting and retaining members. So that's, I guess, my why. So as you mentioned, you focus on content strategy for associations. Can we can we start with a definition? What exactly is content strategy? Okay. Uh, the first definition I learned back in the day, which was all the way back in uh, 1999, was that content strategy is the who, what, when, where, why, and how of publishing content online. So uh, that's expanded a little bit to be the act of planning, creating, publishing, maintaining and governing content and specifically for associations that is content that comes from every uh, department and so that it wants to make sure the third part of that is that it's content that's usable meaning people can use it that it's useful meaning that it's relevant to them and that it's effective meaning that it's got a clear explicit and measurable audience and goal and how does this relate to content curation are they is that, are they synonyms of each other, different? No, they're sort of different. So curation is that the, uh, the notion that, well, there's sort of two aspects to it. The first is that the 
kind of content that an association's audiences are looking for might be created by the association or it might be created by another organization. And regardless of who creates it, it's selecting and kind of surfacing the right content that's going to help the person reach their goal. So I wrote a white paper last year with Elizabeth Engel, which might be why you're asking about curation. And um, and certainly that came up then. And back in the day, uh, associations were kind of gatekeepers for information. Well, now Google's kind of a gatekeeper, but not, right? Because Google will surface everything there is. So no one has time to read everything there is, and everything there is isn't necessarily relevant to the person. But what an association can do is select or curate um, the content that is relevant. Now, the other side of that is that because associations do create so much content, um, it's choosing the right things that the association itself creates. So it's not only external things that might be internal created by the association. And um, kind of not just a long list of things that could possibly be of interest, but also giving some context and connecting it to, just as you said before, making it useful and relevant. Um, there might be something from another uh, industry, but then it's relevant, uh, you know, and, and connecting it with, with the particular audience of that association. Yeah, so the idea of curation comes from the world of museums. So a museum has a huge storehouse typically in the back of, you know, 2,000 artifacts from China. But if they're creating an exhibition about ancient Chinese art, they're not going to show you 2,000 artifacts because that's overwhelming. They're going to pick the 10 or 20 or 50 that will best tell the story, and they're going to create labels that explain why they chose these things, why these things are important, what you can learn from them. And so Elizabeth and I created a content curation kind of maturity ladder. And the top of that maturity ladder is not only choosing the right things, but telling the person why this is relevant to them and how it's gonna help them. And that's the unique piece that the association can, can offer, really. But it requires you know, skills, it requires people and time, all of that. And I, I feel like over the course of probably your and my career, we've we've seen that shift from what you mentioned before of the association as being the sole source of credible information for the field to being one of many. Um, and, you know, the way that the Internet has just, you know, opened everything up and enabled, you know, individuals they might be volunteers with that association, they might be the recognized subject matter experts, but then they may have their own platform as well. And um, I remember having conversations with a, a boss of mine, you know, and and he, he was still kind of in that mindset of, we are the credible source. I'm like, but the internet happened. Right. Uh, so we need to adjust. Well, and yet so, part of the things that I often do for, as part of a, uh, association content strategy project is do a comparative audit. So let's look at the kind of nature and quality of the content that other associations might be creating that serve your audience or other publications or other for-profit audiences. And what I often find is that the association provides content that's um, better, could be better written, and also unbiased. So a for-profit publication in specific is going to have a bias. They're going to have sponsored content. They're going to have content from 
<coughs> from other industry sources who have a vested interest in putting out a, a specific point of view. And that not, might not be what the association's members want. So the association has the, has a huge opportunity anyway, but they need to do they need to create their content or make their content decision based at least in part on what else their members are are seeing and getting. So it's almost a matter of helping members see the distinction or the differential between you know all the different sources of information and yeah. and the the information and the the content that the association is providing. Um, why would why why would you say that content strategy is particularly important to organizations? Well, I mean, um, I don't tend to work with product organizations. I tend to work with content-rich organizations. And so if, if all of an association's advocacy work, its courses, its conferences, its publications, any kind of initial research, clinical practice guidelines, industry standards, all of that work that the association does is content. And so because associations are so busy and prolific, whether it's the staff creating the content, as you mentioned, or volunteers, because they've got so much of it, they tend to just share everything. But nobody can consume everything. And so, um, and not only that, an association's deepest subject matter experts don't necessarily have practice or training and how to translate or communicate their really good work to an audience who doesn't have the expertise that they have. And so um, usually good content strategy requires a partnership between people with expertise in a subject matter and people with expertise in, in um, uh, producing and sharing, presenting and sharing content with an audience. And so that, that is the work that the association needs to do. It's already typically, at least in the people I see, really good on the smart side of creating good, valuable, deep material. But if they don't present it to the audience in a way that shows its relevance, that shows its benefit, people might pass it by where if they only knew how amazing it was, they would use it, they would um, see it, they would talk about it, and they would really see that additional or the maximum value from their association. Yeah, it's interesting what you were saying in terms of subject matter experts and, you know, them being able to, they have deep expertise and, and knowledge and want to share that. And yet, um, depending on what audience they're, they're talking to, whether, you know, if it's someone newer to a field, uh, um, more of an emerging professional, I know I was working with, um, subject matter experts and we were we were putting together uh, workshops and training programs and whenever we were working on the beginner one it was a struggle for mm -hmm. the experts to really be able to hone in on what were those basic things that a beginner needed to know and they were you know and I kept kind of coming back to we got to do the 80% that happens in your cases you're fascinated by the the twenty percent or even right. the five percent of the really interesting, complicated uh, exception. But what's the eighty percent of the cases that a beginner is going to be dealing with? And the challenge exactly. is, of course, you know, from someone with expertise, is that they've honestly, literally forgotten, or it, it's so embedded all of those preliminary steps 
that they don't even think to mention them. So yeah, it takes right. another person to kind of help them translate. Um, and, and again, depending on the audience, because it could be that their their audience is a, a, is a very experienced and, and seasoned group that, that already knows all the stuff. So going over the basics actually wouldn't right. be helpful. So you really kind well, of right. And and so there's jargon involved. And so jargon is fine when it's expert to expert. Every field has jargon. Certainly content strategy itself as a field has plenty of jargon. Um, and, and yet to do that translation of the jargon for the people who may not know it. Because even someone who is experienced in a profession may be coming to a topic that is new to them. So that's a matter of structuring your content too, so that you're um, creating it sort of in layers so that the person who doesn't even know what they don't know or isn't sure whether this topic is, is actually what they're looking for can just skim the surface. And those who want to dive more dive deeper can can do that. Um, I want to come back to something that I glossed over briefly, which is this idea of success. And um, often associations think, especially subject matter experts think, that success means I published. A task force, a working group, you know, a committee thinks content success is that I got it out there. Um, and so I try to help my clients shift the conversation to one of like with the committee or task force or whoever is creating that content what do you imagine the impact of this content's going to be or who's the audience and what result do you want to happen and then craft the content explicitly with that result in mind and promote it and publish it with that result in mind because otherwise your content your website is your a file cabinet otherwise your website contains everything that you've ever published with no way to make a decision about how long should this stay live or or why should it come down or what should it be grouped with so there's success metrics there's you know taxonomy that needs to glue content together from different departments and the conversations also that have to provide that glue um, from one piece of content to the next because it is all connected but people who work on it tend to lose sight of that because they have the deep expertise and they have their, you know, their marching orders and they go forward and create that and they forget to bring it back to that bigger context. Yeah, I think that's a great question to ask. Yeah, first, who, who are you doing this for? Who's the audience? And then what what action do you want them to take? What impact, yes. what result do you want to have happen right. based on this work? Um, yeah, it's very easy to get into, you know, we've been giving a, a charge as a committee and the last mm -hmm. thing is publish and so check we're done right <laughs> so yeah uh, i appreciate that you mentioned a, a term uh taxonomy can you say a little bit more about what you mean by that and oh, how that yeah. plays in sure taxonomy is a very daunting sounding term but it's actually pretty clear and straightforward it's basically tagging um whether it's tagging content for an audience or tagging content by a topic because um uh, computer systems are not smart so a computer system can't know that a term that's has a slightly different spelling or a slightly different variation is actually the same as another term or another audience grouping that's kind of sort of different so you have to make one single list of all the terms for your topics, for your audience groupings, for your um, uh, locations, anything else that, that somebody might need to group or sort that content by so that they can create, um, they can create related links, they can fil filter and sort on search, 
all those other kinds of things that will connect the content. If you're interested in this, you might also like that. And so in the, yeah, I'll stop there. So what would you say gets in the way of an organization having an effective content strategy? Uh, the first thing is that people don't know each other. They don't talk to each other and they don't, they don't work in those bigger contexts. So they think beyond the goal of getting something successfully public. They don't, they don't know their audience as well. So they think they know their audiences. And I think associations have a particular challenge in this term of audience because of the committee structure. So when you have a volunteer who has worked really hard or a group of volunteers really, who worked really hard to give back to the profession to serve on standing committees for years, often many years, and um, uh, work closely with the association staff to determine initiatives, programs, all of that, they kind of forget what it's like to be a regular, what do they call them, checkbook member, who just, you know, joins, pays peripheral attention to the association, and then goes on with their life. And those people are not your focus group. They're not your typical average member and they, they can't be your audience anymore. So how do we engage the rest of the staff, all the people who create content, the volunteers for that matter too, in remembering who it is we're creating content for and what is their life like? What is the content that those people live in that our content fits into? Where people think that the audience is just sitting around waiting for their content or for their program or for their next offering. And we see it in how it's manifested, right? We see the email newsletters that say, guess what? We have a new video. Okay, that's nice. How is it going to help me? How's it going to help me make more money? How's it going to help me advance in my profession or do what it is that I need to do? Everyone is self-centered and that's not a bad thing it's just the reality that we work from our own lens and our own perspective yeah so even to taking the step from here's our new video to just telling people what the topic of the video is is a step forward well, so and creating it, gives, gives, it gives people a, a chance to say am i interested in that or not right well and and you know sometimes people go a little far the the more marketing focused people in the world will will have the 10 steps to make more money from this video kind of approach. And I don't really recommend that, but, but why did you decide to create this video? Oh, we decided to create this video. We have to re retrace our steps. We decided to create this video because somebody's got something to say. Really, why, does, why would someone care about that thing to say? Well, because what, they're, what they've gone through, somebody else can learn from. Oh, now tell me more, you know, and getting to the root of why that content was created in the first place and that passion for whatever it is, not only the content, but the initiative that it's part of. Um, those, that's the headline really is that passion. And you mentioned in, in what you were talking about, kind of the sense of people kind of working in isolation or maybe they're on a small team, a committee, a task force or a department within a, an organization, but you know, not, not necessarily being aware of the wider context that uh, right. all of this information is being offered um, to you know that member that that may or may not open that that email newsletter. Right. So that's really sort of a uh, an old older fashioned kind of way of thinking. You know, back before the internet existed, that was all that people could do. Every department, you know, I used to draw the the lanes with my hands, and every department had its own sense of the audience and created and delivered content to that audience independently because that's all we could really do and maybe it came together in a print newsletter but 
but maybe it were they were a collection of separate brochures or a collection of separate things. And when the internet came along, those differences really became that much more apparent. And not only that, with the ongoing digital world that we live in, people expect a seamless transition from your website to the phone, to an email, to video, social media. They expect all of that to just met. And, and in order to deliver that unified uh, omni-channel experience, you have to be unified internally too. And not only that, people have to have the skills to, to um, take their raw subject matter expert and take p at least part of the translation to that user benefit forward. So they need time for that and skills. So it's not only that people aren't willing to communicate, which is certainly part of organizational culture, it's that they're, they don't have time and they're not rewarded or motivated for behaving in that way because of that sort of older fashion um, ways that many associations are even structured. You know, they're structured by, by a content type in a way, and then they're budgeted by content type too. So a lot of it is about how people are budgeted. So a website, a web team, the conference, a publishing team, right, the, a training the, the team, courses. a conference yeah. team, they're all working separately. And yeah, I've definitely been in those conversations trying to um, cut across those those departmental uh, lines um, to come up with a comprehensive or a unified, uh, just starting with that word taxonomy. I, I worked in an organization where I think it took us, I don't know how long, uh, maybe two years mm -hmm. no, <laughs> of sporadic meetings to try to, to finally come to an agreement around uh, how we were gonna, you know, what, what the list of words were and the terms and, and some have some commonality across how people were using it uh, in, in all of those different varieties of, of kind of service offerings or prof, uh, products, you know, right. programs, et cetera. Right. And everyone is doing their best to do an amazing job. Um, and they don't, it's just a new, <coughs> it's a new approach. And the organization has to be clear that we want this new approach for the benefit of the member. And, you know, folk, folks often talk about kind of tearing down silos, but the truth is you're always going to have some sub-organization, some kind of ways that you organize staff mm -hmm. uh, if you're beyond, you know, five, ten people. Um, and, and there are lots of different ways to do that, and it could be by, you know, the old old way would have been, you know, the training department and the conference department and the publishing department and the advocacy department. Um, but even if you were to, say, organize it by parts of your member audience, you still end up with divisions. And so you just still then have to create some cross-cutting uh, work groups that actually have um, the people see value in, that can produce something that have some authority to, to, you know, bring that comprehensive and unified uh, uh, thing together. So part of that's a question of tools. I mean, a shared content calendar goes a really long way, um, but it has to be required. So you have to make sure that people put in a shared calendar, whether it's a spreadsheet, a Google calendar, Trello, I mean, there's infinite number of tools for that, um, but that people put their content in there and they then are would have to look and see, oh, who else is publishing content on my same topic? So it could be a topical work group. And so that if you're creating a course about a topic, that you make sure to look in the magazine to see what articles they've done on that topic, or look and see the advocacy on that topic, et cetera, et cetera, because 
why reinvent the wheel? So it's a matter of efficiency and also um, member benefit, for sure. So what would you say helps an organization be successful in this arena? Can you ask? So content strategy is figuring it out, right? So you're figuring out who, who are our top priority audiences? What do they want from us? What are we delivering? What's missing? And then how do we, how do we address that? Um, it's figuring out kind of the content life cycles or success metrics. It's putting the tools and communication and HR stuff in place so that people um, uh, who will have these responsibilities, that it's explicit and it's not something that folks are supposed to do in their spare time because we all know that no one has any spare time to do it in. Um, and it's also that it becomes operational, that it becomes part of the way things work in the association, that the roles and responsibilities for content creation, you know, planning, creation, as I said, publishing, promotion, maintenance, you know, and, and expiration, that all of that is known and that everybody understands their part in that. And, um, and it becomes clear and part of how things work. You also need, so this is all called content governance. And governance is such a tricky word in association because it has that whole other meaning. But in the bigger world, it's called content governance or digital governance um, and operation. So um, operations is, is making it actually happen. So not only writing down, like when I learned content strategy back in the day, I thought you create a document and you're done and magically it just happened. And the more I do the work, the more I realize that the document or the rules or guidelines and policies and all that are just the beginning. Um, figuring out how to put them in place so that people know what they are, understand, have the trust in their colleagues, all of that is um, operation. So that's what's required to be successful. So um, I wrote a I did a study a couple of years ago for the ASAE Foundation with Dina Lewis and Carrie Hain uh, about content strategy adoption and maturity in association. And, um, and we found that, that associations of all sizes and natures, you know, whether it's trade or um, professional, there's a lot of associations doing uh, various amounts of content strategy work and we group them into a maturity model. So when we learn, you know, that there are different levels of work going on, we looked to see whether the associations who were doing more had things in common than those who were doing medium amount or, or only a little. And, and we did find that there are differences and it gets to culture, it gets to approach, it gets to um, how operational your content is, and it gets to the, the collaboration level, right? Because organizations who are at that more advanced level already know, oh, well, this isn't all mine to do, figure out and do. I need to work and I want to work with those people over there who have the companion expertise to mine. And that's what it's going to take for my program to get the impact and reach that it deserves. Yeah, I think that shift that you talked about of, you know, I thought it was just writing down the plan and, and having the, the, the shared calendar, but really it's about um, shifting towards a more collaborative uh, work culture, mm -hmm. um, which can can be a big shift um, yep. in how, how organizations work together. And so being able, and, th and then exactly what you talked about of that trust that needs to be built so that um, those, you know, staff division barriers will come down and people will share and and coordinate and collaborate um, it's it's really important we'll be back after this quick break 
Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. Well, I like to end each episode, I play a game where I ask one Uh random icebreaker question. So I'll give, um, which place, which piece are you when you play Monopoly? This of course assumes that you play Monopoly. Oh my gosh, I haven't played Monopoly since I was a kid. (laughs) Well, which one, do you remember what you used to pick? I, I, uh, uh, sorry, I do not. What are the choices? Well, if you were to pick I think it's uh, the top hat and the dog and the shoe. I think there's a car, old-fashioned car. What would you choose today? Let's say shoe. All These right. are cute, and they go they go neatly from from square to square. They go neatly from square to square. I wouldn't yeah. say that the Monopoly shoe is particularly cute, but uh, so what's what are you excited about? What's up next for you? What's what's emerging in your work? Um, well, I was thrilled to um, also uh, do a chapter also with Dina Lewis on the latest edition of professional practices and association management. And that makes me so happy to see the prospect of content strategy uh, incorporated and adopted by even more associations. Um, So I was really excited about that. In terms of what's next, um, I'm working with an association now to try to really get to the bottom of these very thorny questions about things like, what audience need is this content filling? Which is a very difficult question for them and a very difficult question for lots of associations. And I'm, I'm always excited to do that work with an association and help them um, know the answer to that so that next time when they're creating more content, they already do it with that information in mind. Um, yeah. uh, All right. Well, just, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. No, just uh, enjoying the summer and uh, getting back maybe to normal. Maybe. <laughs> Sometime. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great having you on. Thanks a lot. I appreciated Hillary's comments about not having your website be an organizational filing cabinet. You need to have agreements on how long things will stay live. Even my small website could probably use a spring cleaning. We also talked about silos, and many organizations are challenged by being siloed. Something like content strategy that brings together a group to work through that, a cross-cutting, cross-functional group, can help cut across those silos. I hear too many organizations talk about eliminating their silos by reorganizing their staff into new divisions or departments. But without other interventions and processes and groups that cut across that organizational chart, the silos will simply reform around the new divisions or departments. Issues that need the cooperation of multiple staff groups and the volunteers that they work with, when there is a spirit of collaboration that is encouraged, can really serve as a springboard for working across those divisions and silos and helping staff get to know each other better. But it doesn't just happen by magic. There has to be someone coordinating the effort and they need to have the capacity to see the issue from multiple vantage points. They also need the support from those in leadership. It needs to be seen as a value added to the organization. 
And those cross-cutting groups, whether it's content strategy or other issues, human resources, operations, etc., they can have benefits for the organization and they can help staff learn a new skill, learn about their colleagues, and have sidebar conversations about other projects that they might not have uh, without that cross-cutting group. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to contact and connect with Hillary Marsh, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I want to thank Nora Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Custer of 100 Ninjas for her production support. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you would share it with a colleague or a friend. We really appreciate you helping us get the word out. Until next time.